Welcome to the Rankin Baptist Church Podcast. Please note that all or some of this podcast may have been recorded during our live physical services at Rankin Baptist Church. Therefore, sound quality may be affected in some areas. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Oh yes, this morning we're going to talk about uh, how do we give cheerful? How do we become cheerful givers? You know, firstly, we hear that uh, we know that God says He loves cheerful givers. He loves a cheerful giver. From Second Corinthians nine seven, verse seven, day, God loves cheerful givers. So, uh, a young man about plus eight nine years, he came with his mom to Sunday school. And as usual, as a parent, her mom can get two reins and give it to him so that he can do the, give the offering at the Sunday school. So young men do whatever they do. What he did is start playing with the two rein corn and put it in his mouth. And while well, the worst happened, he swallowed the coin. Unfortunately, it choked him. It just stood up there. Now the Sunday school teacher tried to help the boy out, come to help the boy. He says, no, no, please go call the pastor. Please go call the pastor. And this, the teacher was like, look, I need to help you. You're going to die. The child said, no, please go call the pastor. Then, well, when the Sunday school teacher realized mm, this is getting too bad, she ran all the way from Sunday school to the pastor. The pastor was busy preaching and said, please come, the child is dying. Well, the pastor left the sermon, went to Sunday school, just got there, grabbed the boy from his leg, just hit from the back, and the coin fell down. Wow. Then the teacher started asking the son, so why didn't you want me to help you? The boy said, mom told me pastors know how to get out, pastors know how to get people, how to get money out of people. <laughs> so I hope this morning as I share, I will be able to achieve that. All right. So this story, this story is kind of like telling us that sometimes, well, to some people, giving to God is like paying a traffic fine. You don't just pay it until somebody makes you to. I mean, who pays? Who pays the traffic fine willingly? Really? I mean, even if you've got extra cash, you don't pay for it right up until the authorities forces you to pay for a traffic fine. So. Sometimes giving to some people becomes that kind of a thing that somebody has got to tell you to give because it becomes a challenging thing. But we're going to look at the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. So the whole chapter 8 as well as chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. So you're not going to read through the whole chapter, but we're going to read the verses as we come to them. But the intention of that is to see Paul actually wrote a letter to the Corinthian church. Now, in the reason for him writing the letter, he wanted to encourage these, uh, these people that they are giving, he wanted to encourage them on their giving, and he did that by sharing a testimony of how generous, generously the church in the Macedonian countries has been giving. So, what happened then is, now Paul tells them that I am sharing this story with you so that you will actually compare your giving with other believers. Maybe we're also going to benefit from that. That as we go through here, we can compare ourselves, our giving, compared to what other churches in the New Testament were doing. So that maybe we may become cheerful givers. Because our goal is to become cheerful givers. We'll see how they were actually giving, which will maybe motivate us to strive to that cheerful giving. Now, 
the first thing we see here is in nowadays, especially because of COVID and all other things, the churches are closing down. And the major factor of these kind of things is because of their financial situation. They are no longer receiving the offerings, the giving, as they used to, be, to do before. As a result, there are a lot of people really suffering that the building itself it suffers. Some of the buildings are closed down because they can't maintain the, the, the bills. And the pastors and the ministers and all other people suffer. The missions also suffer because of those, uh, that situation. So I just got a few of the few pastors, just comments from other few pastors that I was just reading through. So uh, Reverend Tembelani from Mamelodi uh, Baptist in, in, here in Pretoria. She's, she was sharing that, look, she was the only one left being paid by the church at that time. They had to lay, or they lay off there to stop all other people who are working permanently or full-time in the church where the church couldn't afford. And she said, look, I'm not sure how long will I be able to even to be supported by the church. Seemingly, how things are, if there's no improvement, we're going to close down the church. Then Pastor Simon from Every Nation in Rosebank also comments and said, look, our church facilities are now supported by the library because they've got a library on the side. So it is the facilities now, I mean, only uh, sustained by what they get from the library. But that is not sustainable for long because people, the same people who are supposed to come and buy or who buys from these libraries are the very congregation who are not able to give. And Auxiliary Bishop of Cape Town, uh, Sylvester David, he said the community around them depend on their church. They, whatever they get from the church, they actually give it to the community. But the way how things are, seemingly they want to close down because they are not receiving anything. So these are the, this is the, what we experience in these days. We are not far off from that. We also challenge you, but also our challenges as well as a church. But how did these Macedonian churches manage to strive through those difficulties they were going through to be able to give generously to, to reach that cheerful giving. How did they do it? If we read uh, from uh, verse 1, chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 from verse 1, the first thing you're going to find there is these people demonstrated grace in their giving. So, so meaning cheerful givers or cheerful giving is an evidence of grace. Cheerful giving is an evidence of grace. This one reads as follows. It says, uh, Now we make known to you, brothers and sisters, the grace of God given to the churches of Macedonia. Now, Macedonia is one of the regions where you've got other churches like the Church of Berea, you've got the Philippian Church, you also have got Thessalonian Church, is there. So he gives them a testimony of what was happening there. But the first thing he mentions here, he says, I want you to know the grace of God. In other words, he says that before I tell you what has been happening, before I tell you what these people are doing, I want you to know whatever they were doing was from grace. So whatever the story is coming down, you must keep in mind it was because of the grace which these people, the grace of God in them, that's why they did whatever they did. And Paul, in other ways, it tells us that grace, Paul links grace and gift of giving, meaning that we are all given grace. It may not be maybe in the same level, 
But with the grace which God has given to me, I will demonstrate that grace by giving. Maybe God has blessed me with a lot of grace and like food, but whatever grace I have, as little as I have, as much as I have, God's grace, I will demonstrate that grace. When we give to God, we're demonstrating the grace which God has given to us. It's not about how much you have. It's about who you are in God. If the sooner you realize that you are of God, you've got the grace of God, you will start doing as somebody who has got the grace of God. Now, the second thing we see what these people did was giving joyfully. So in other words, cheerful givers give joyfully. We read verse 2. In the midst of in the midst of very uh, sorry, in the midst of a very serious trial, severe serious trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty world in world up in rich generosity. In the church, especially the church in Philippi, these people were persecuted. They were some of them were thrown in prison, including Paul himself. He was arrested when he was in Philippi. He was put in jail for the gospel. And all this unrest which was happening in them left them to be so poor. Christians were poor in that region because of the persecution and all the unrest which was happening against them. They were like, it says extreme poverty, which is just <coughs> shameful poverty. But in the same process, in the same situation, they managed to give exceedingly joyfully. In that same situation, we are also having our own challenges. I mean, look, we have got COVID, we have got petrol price going up, we have got uh, bread going up, we have got school fees going up, we have got a lot of things pressing against us. But does that mean we do not give? According to these churches, that did not stop them. But what was the reason behind that? The reason was joy, the joy they had in God. The same gospel which was putting them into so much trouble, they were so excited about to, ex to the extent that they were giving to show that excitement. The excitement was exceeding. It was beyond limit. It was full. You know when you've got a glass of water, you put it down, you pour water until it is full. It doesn't spill, but it over, it just falls over. And everything, every sand around it gets wet. Everybody around that, so everyone around it, these churches actually felt the joy of these people because they could not contain it. Because the Bible says they overflowed, their joy was overflowing. They could not contain it, you can't keep it. The joy they had about the gospel had made them to give. It says that they welled up in rich generosity. You know. Uh, people like uh, Bill Gates, we don't say they are rich. I mean, they've gone beyond that word rich. We say they're filthy rich. That sound right. But they're, they're, those are the people we call they're filthy rich. They have gone beyond the word being rich. And here, Paul says the same thing. He says, if, uh, these churches were welled up in generosity. Their generosity, their giving was so much that it is beyond the limit. That's how they were feeling. 
because of this overexcitement, because of the excitement of the, of the gospel, it made them to be so generous that they couldn't contain, they couldn't stop it. So, we learn that as we give to God, we express the joy God has given to us. We always hear Christians that, you know what, it doesn't matter even if the world falls apart. I know when I'm God, in God, I am safe. Because you know that even if I die now, you will be God. That's what you mean. It doesn't mean that if the building falls down, you're not going to die. You're going to die. But what you're trying to tell us is, even if I die, I still be with God. So it doesn't matter what happens around me. And that confidence makes you to do things which other people are not doing. The confidence they have, the joy they have in, inside them, made them to give. Are we not joyful of being the children of God? If we are joyful as much as we are, we will demonstrate that by giving. Because God says, as they gave, they were, it was from the joy inside their hearts. So, this mega joy which they had, do you have it? And sometimes we, we want things which we're not sure, but this joy with the head, God gave them through the grace. And they started celebrating, enjoying it, and they demonstrated all that in the way how they were given. And the third thing which we see here these people were doing is cheerful givers. It says, give givers see privilege in giving. So as they were giving, to them, it was a privilege. You know, sometimes I was surprised when I read something where I saw that uh, Mark Maharaj said it was a privilege for him to be in jail with Nelson Mandela. Hello, does it matter who you are? You are in jail, does it matter who you are? I mean, does it matter who do you have around you? You are in prison anyway. But he says it was a, a privilege for him to share the same place with Nelson Mandela, which was jail. Some people may see the situation as terrible, but some people may get something out of it. The thief, two thieves on the cross, both of them they were dying, the other one realized that, look, why am I dying? This is a disgraceful death. I shouldn't be dying like this. I know I'm a thief, but I shouldn't be dying like this. He, he kind of like saw the worst of the situation, but the other one didn't see the worst of the situation. Dying in that environment. He said, look, kind of like he almost said, you stupid. Do you realize the privilege you have to die with the Son of God? Do you, do you really realize what is happening here? You die and you are on the cross with the Son of God, that's a privilege. A lot of people would want to die with Christ. And you have got that privilege, you don't take it. Grace Mugabe, some time ago, she actually assaulted somebody, somewhere in Santin, I'm sure you know the story. She was supposed to be arrested, isn't it? I mean, she broke the law, but what happened? Somehow we hear that she was not arrested. Why? Because they said she was the wife of a president. She was she that diplomatic privilege. That's why she was not arrested. Do you realize that you being the child of God, what privilege do you have? These people realized the privilege they had in God. And therefore, it didn't matter how poor they are. They needed sure that, look, 
We will take this privilege. We will use this privilege no matter what. So we hear that uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. So some people don't see it as privilege, saving God or giving to God as privilege. They see it as maybe a burden or as a law or as something which they are forced to do. These guys, actually, the Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, when the church came, when the church was excited during the early church, everybody was excited about what was happening. They were giving as much as they could give, and others went home and sold their land, sold their, 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 their possession. They brought the money, they gave it to the church for their courses to distribute to everyone who was in need at that particular time. But these guys found it to be, found it to be I think, a bit obligating for them to do it. It's been Ananias and his wife. Because they were not forced anywhere to go sell their property. Nobody told them to do so. They could have stayed with their land. It was okay. Nobody was going to blame them. But they felt like it was an obligation because everybody is doing it. Therefore, I think we must also do it. They went out. They sold the land. They brought the money. Now, instead of giving all the money, they gave half of it. They took something, they hide it. Which, by the way, it wasn't wrong too. If they would have said, look, Peter, we sold the, our property with 100 rents. We're going to give 50 rents to God. And we're going to keep 50. It was okay. But they actually, because it was an obligation to them, it was a feel, bad feeling to them. They said, no, this is the money. It is all the money which we got from ourselves which they were lying to God. And God was not worried about money which they kept, was not worried about the money which they gave. He was worried about their heart. That in your heart, you think that giving to God or giving to the kingdom of God is an obligation. It is not an obligation. It is a privilege. Some people may need to, but they don't. The privilege which we have will lead us to give. If we don't realize the privilege which we have in it will make us maybe not to keep enough. So, the child, remember the young boy who was uh, having five bread, I mean five uh, fish, sorry, five bread, five fish and one bread, and two bread, miss, missing up those. Okay, but can you imagine that you're giving a child a lunch box? Can you fit in a bread there, just one bread? You can't fit it in there. So it basically, in some other senses, it wasn't really the bread which we know. It was just a bun, buns. Now, his mother gave him a lunch box. And then he takes his lunch box. Next moment, his lunch box feed 5,000. Something which was maybe even possible, maybe was not going to be enough for himself. But this same lunch box fed 5,000. Wasn't it? A, and this boy, I, I can imagine, this boy running back to his mom and telling what has happened. Mom, you remember, do you see that box you gave to me? It has spent 5,000. It is a privilege to participate on the things of God. The excited, excitement was that privilege he had of like, just my lunchbox for my mom has been able to feed 5,000 people. That's how God wants to be done. The little bit you give, the one, what you give, it's not about how much is it. It is the, the privilege you have in participating in the things of God. It is a privilege not everybody does have. 
Jesus Christ called people and told them that, look, he called in Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 19 to 22. He calls them, invest, or he said, give all the, your, 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 your treasure to God. Bring your treasure to me. Or keep your treasures in, in heaven. Where there is no thief, there is no moth, there is no uh, uh, anyone who can steal it. Invest in God. That's, in other words, like if I use the normal term now, you will say, invest in his kingdom. And Jesus as the CEO, he gave the security. He said, look, there is no uh, tumbling markets in heaven. There is no thief. There is nobody who is going to steal it. All the divisions and everything which is unpredictable in, this, in, the, in our markets is not up there. If you, keep, if you store your treasures in heaven, they would be safe. And you're going to get the dividends in the due time as they are. Every single cent which you have actually invested in God. If it is a privilege, you think it's a privilege to invest with uh, maybe truck companies, uh, Unitrans or uh, Amazon or Microsoft. Well, it might be a privilege for some, but the better privilege is to invest with God. The sooner we see that as people, that when we put in something in heaven, we are not losing, we're investing, because that's what God said. Invest with me, I will make sure that you get back the, what you deserve. So, these are the things which I see that we, we have got privilege on. We are called the children of God. That's a privilege. Not everybody. Can you imagine somebody comes to you here, you are the son of a devil. How do you feel about it? You feel bad about it because you don't even want to be. But if somebody comes to you and says, you are the child of God, you feel better. Whew. It becomes better. Because it is a privilege to be called the child of God. It's not everyone is called by that. So now we see that we are, it is a privilege for me to give to God because this, whatever I'm giving to God, it is used in the kingdom of God to extend the kingdom of God, to reach the areas which I cannot reach myself. It makes us to give cheerfully. Because we know whatever I give here doesn't end here. It will go lengthy, more than I would have used it myself. The last thing we see what the cheerful givers do is cheerful givers live in the abundance of God or in the abundance of the grace of God. That's the cheerful givers live in the abundance of the, chief, uh, of the kingdom of God. Let's read 2 Corinthians again, which is chapter 9, verse 6. And eight. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. God and God is God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, all times, having all that you need, you will overflow in everything. So in all things. You will overflow in everything. Now, first thing is, we look, you see the, the abundance, living in abundance. If I can ask you, last year, January 2021, what were you praying for? What were the things which, the list of things which we are asking God to do for you for 2021? There is a lot. Possible, we prayed right up until February. And the next thing, God. The problem, the reason why we do not see the abundance of God in us now, it is because we don't live now. We live, we live for tomorrow. We live in the future while we're here. 
The whole 2021, we leave 2022 in 2021. Because everything we think about, we think about tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. It is nothing about what is happening around me now. Hence, we do not realize the abundance God has given to us. We do not realize when God has answered our prayers. Because we are always in the future. Anything that happens now, we don't pick it up. Thank you, Auntie Daniel. I hate you speaking about that again earlier on while we were singing. The same thing, we need to look at our now, the now, what is happening now. If you think about it now, do you think what we have in the fridge will not sustain you today? I think it will. Don't you think then you need to thank God about it? We do. Why do we need to think that what is in the fridge is not going to get next month on the 5th? We start living in the moral and then we fail to recognize the abundance of God around us. And that's what God wants us to do. The moment we realize this is what we have, this is what God has blessed me with, then we will cheerfully give to God because we thank him for the now. When the morrow comes, we will thank him for the morrow. But for now, I thank for what I have. Well, one other thing which you realize here, the same scripture is the perception we have about abundance of God is wrong. This is where we fall off the way. The perception, what we have about the kingdom of God or the, the abundance of God, it becomes wrong because it depends if my, if my fridge can still breathe or is packed up, it doesn't freeze. So if my fridge can't breathe, then I know this is the abundance of God. If my wardrobe is full, I can't even feel it. This is how I know that this is the abundance of God. You know how I know the abundance of God? Some people like, they don't close the garage very quickly. They close it very slow. You know why? Because you want people to see what I'm packing in there. That's the abundance of God. That's not the way how God sees abundance. That's not the abundance of God God is talking about. The abundance of God which is talking about, he, he actually gave us the measure in verse uh, 6 there which we just read there. Let's just read that verse again. It says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Which means, whatever you put, that's how you're going to receive. And then it says, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In other words, God says, the more you give, the more, the more you give, the more you receive. So you kind of like standing like this, you are receiving and giving. So God's abundance means that you will not run out of whatever you're giving. That's what this abundance is about. You're not going to run out of it. So as you give, it keeps on coming. As you give, it keeps on coming. You give more, the more it comes in. I mean, this is actually a principle, if I look at it. How many times have we heard that pizza, not pizza, who's this other one? Uh, the owner of Sundowns? Yeah, Patrick Musipi. How many times have we heard him that he gave maybe 15 million to a country which has been affected by uh, disaster? How many times have we heard a Bill Gates donated some billions of rains, but they still have money still coming in their accounts? You know, in Zulu we say, meaning that money goes to where the money is. Money goes where money is. If you be poor, I remain poor. If rich, the that's the principle God has made. So the more you do, that's the more you receive. So that's God's abundance there. You cannot run out of it. 
And the abundance of God in our lives is as we live today, we need to recognize the abundance of God as we live today. What we have, that's what we're going to give. And this is how God wants us to continuously do because this is how cheerful giving comes in. You are being cheerful, you are being grateful, you are being kind and giving to other people because God has been kind to you. Luke 6, 38. Give to others and God will give to you. Indeed, you will receive a full measure, a generous helping poured into your hands all that you can. But Paul was not talking about this generosity or this, this giving or this abundance. If you can look at it, if that scripture tells us something else here, if we go further, he says, says, Paul, the way how he speak, he speak, he said, look, they were overflowing, overjoy. Everything which these churches were receiving was over the limit. It was over the limit of receiving and giving. It was more abundance, more than what they actually, more than the level of that giving. So it was, everything was overflowing. These are the words Paul was using overflowing, exceeding, and overjoyed. So everything in them was beyond. So the people who give cheerfully, God does not use the measure of abundance. He gives them beyond measure of abundance. The same church we read, read again, as if I wrote this scripture there. Yes, in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 3, it says, For I testify, they gave according to their means, and beyond their means, they did, they did so voluntarily. Verse 4. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So do you see these people did not just give what they had from where they had, which is the principle. The principle says give from what we have. But here they gave even beyond what they had. And in that kind of principle, God said, look, these people don't, don't belong under this principle of receiving and giving. They believe under overfeeding, overgiving, over uh, uh, supply of God. So, as we close, what I want to emphasize here is what, how, does, how can we become cheerful givers? We should demonstrate the grace of giving. So, God gave us grace and we should demonstrate that grace by giving. Every little bit you have or every grace you have in you, you give from that. But because you are demonstrating God, the grace of God in your life. We, also, we should also happily, uh, we should also give happily from what we have. As we give, we should be excited about it. Because we're not giving, because we, it's from us, but it is what God has given to us and we're just passing it on. It is a happy moment of being involved in the things of God, because it is a privilege. As we give a privilege, we take it as a privilege of participating in the things of God. So when we give, we're participating in the things of God. Everybody can participate in the kingdom of God by giving whatever God has laid in your heart. So we're going to pray and ask God to help us in these areas because we want to give cheerfully and it seems it's far-fetched but God says 
He will help us to do through these things. Because he left us with a promise. He left us with a promise. Allow us to stand up and we're going to pray together. Okay. So, let's pray together. We're going to pray for, uh, for God's expression that we may express his grace in us. We pray as we give that we may express his grace to us. We pray that God, we, as we give, joy, giving should be a joyful moment and we're going to pray that it may we're we, we participating in this privilege of giving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being with us now. Lord, we thank you for your word which you've just read now. We thank you, Father God, for the example which the churches in Macedonia has played so that we may learn from them. We would love, Lord God, to give cheerfully. We want to be loved by you as you say we already love us. We want to keep the love of you, Lord, in our lives, in our lives, Lord God. But for, for us to do this, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, to bless us abundantly as well. Bless us, Lord God, that we may demonstrate the peace, may demonstrate that grace, Father God, in us by successfully giving to others, by helping others, Lord God. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, to may help us, Lord, as we give, we may enjoy that giving. We may enjoy what we're doing. It may not be a burden to us, Lord, remove that burden, Lord God, when we give, but help us to have that excitement because it is a moment of excitement, thanking God and celebrating His provision. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that, Lord, as we participate in your kingdom, as we participate in your service, Lord, may you help us that we may celebrate this, may help, help us that we may be able to do it, Father God, willingly and even beyond our measure, Lord God. We pray that, Lord God, we may see the privilege of being the children of God. We may perceive, we may understand it, Lord God. We may receive it, Lord God, and be excited about it and start giving, Lord God, in the manner you want us to give. Lord, we want to give cheerfully to you. We pray then, Lord God, that we may steer our hearts towards that direction. Steer us to understand, Lord God, what you want to do with what we, you have given to us. Thank you, Jesus, this morning. We really thank you, Lord God, for everything, Lord God. We're not living outside, Lord, the things that you have given to us before. We appreciate it. We learn it. And we even thank you, Father God, for all the giving which, you have been, which has been happening all along. We appreciate it and we thank it, Lord God, because you are the only one who gives us. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, remember to share it with people you feel may be encouraged by it as well. Also remember, for more resources, to watch our video sermons, or to find out more about Ramsey Baptist Church, visit us online at www.rbaptchurch.org.